The following content is not suitable for children. Here we are, Lori, New York City together, baby. Woo! This is so fun to see you. Yeah, we get to do this together instead of Zoom. I'm Zoomed out. How about you? Oh, I'm burnt out on Zoom for sure. Well, we got a lot going on today. We're going to talk about the world of pursuers. Not so easy. A lot going on there. Right. This is my world. This is your world. <laughs> hey, I put my foot in every once in a while, too. So. Yeah, I, I do know that about you. Yes. I like to go both ways. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. Well, we should talk a little bit about our retreat. I know. Our retreat is coming up on May 20th. And an eft told me that 520, it means love in Chinese, that that number means love. So it was like a, a great date that we chose. I like it. It's, you go to that retreat, you have a high percentage chance of... Find more some love. more love, that's for sure. Right, great sex and great love, and you can find us on foreplayrst.com or foreplayradiosextherapy.com. Just sign up there, and we are enrolling. And Come join us for the day, a day of fun in the sun. A day of fun and talking about sex. There we go. There we go. And also, we've changed our deal with our patrons. Thank you so much. So many of you have supported us for so many years already, and we're grateful for the money that you have given us to do what we're doing. Um, we do have expenses, and we're just thankful for the support. I think at this point, though, we have, we're just asking that if you believe in our mission to support us, we have in the past wanted to do extra episodes, and there are still some that are available that are not in the general public that if you become a patron, you can listen to, but we can't keep doing special ones because we're doing 52 a year, and <laughs> we're finding that four more just kills us. But anyway, if you believe in us, great. Support us. Yes, that investment really does make a difference. You know, where you put your money where your mouth is and people that are doing that are allowing us to spread a message and it's making a difference. So couldn't do this without everyone. Thank you. Exactly. World of the pursuer. Tell me about this. I think you should be telling me. I know. Well, I would have to be pursuing to tell you. I think the thing is a withdrawer that I don't get is the amount of work that pursuers actually do, right? The multitasking, the constantly thinking about different possibilities, what they should say, what they should do. It's, it really creates a frantic pace. You know, they tend to be the safety net for lots of people, mm-hmm. right? It, like people can help out with things, but if they decide not to, it always falls to the pursuer, right? They got to take the kids. They got to do the work. They got to do the cooking. They got to, there's so much on their plate, responsibility for the sex, responsibility for this, that. Yeah. That that does something to you. It does something to your nervous system when you gotta constantly be working so hard. And I think the setup is work so hard, sacrifice so much because you will be appreciated. That's the payoff for all this work. I, I wanna add into this a little bit about the work that I find myself doing. I, I think there's a lot of analysis. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always trying to figure out what does this mean in a partner or in a friend, you know, like what are they really trying to say? And I mean, I noodle about it and it just goes around and around and around in my head trying to figure it out. Yep. I mean, it's also just like, what does this mean? What What is happening in our relationship? And it's that kind of work. Yeah. I think that tires 
a pursuer. Especially, I love your story, George, about how the pursuer is waiting for response. And they're looking at the phone every five seconds, you know, has the person responded? And it's, I mean, they're they're thinking about it the whole time. Right. Maybe I sent a, a message that was misinterpreted. Maybe my partner's mad at me. It's like this yep. busy mind work. Busy mind's great. That is, exa- you know, exhausting. Yeah, and that's all the work is to not get rejected. And what we see in a fight is a rejection, right? When their partner walks away, you might see the frustration of the pursuer. But that's such a small percentage of what's actually going on in that mind. For every yeah. time they say something critical, there's probably nine times they don't say anything or think about how they should say it differently. So I exactly. love how you said that mind work that's constantly going on. Exactly. I mean, I'm always trying to think about the best way to say something. And then and then sometimes it does just build up inside. And you don't say anything because you're afraid you'll be critical. And then it bursts out and you're like, oh, man, I blew it. It's hard to be a pursuer. Yeah, but I think there's too much focus on the moments when they burst out and they're critical or frustrated and not enough focus on all the moments before that or the moments afterwards. That can be so hard. All the moments we were good. Right. We, didn't, we weren't critical. Exactly. You don't want to be critical. You work no. so hard not to be critical. You know criticism doesn't often work, and yet it comes out when you're frustrated because your partner's not engaging. Right. Exactly. So how do we start to see those places in the pursuer that where they don't say anything, or they're thinking about, maybe I should say this this way or that way, and then that analyzing that's going on, it takes its toll. Mm-hmm. And who sees that in the pursuer? Who helps them in that place? Mm-hmm. Not usually our withdrawing partner. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a shout out to the pursuers that says, we see you, right? We, we see you more than just a person who loses it in a fight, right? That there's so much work that you're willing to put into it. That's what really touches my heart. It's the amount of work and sacrifice that they're willing to do. They're going to do more than 50% of it. They're okay doing more than 50%. They just want their partner to engage and you know, oftentimes that setup is saying work hard and you will be loved. And they do the work part of it, but they don't get the love part of it or the engaged part of it. And that's just exactly. sad. Exactly. It's everything you think you're you're doing right and you expect some sort of credit for that. And it, it doesn't come because it's what you're not doing. That's not seen. You know, you're not criticizing. You're not being frustrated. I talk to so many sexual pursuers who say, look at I – Really work hard yep. to set it up well for my partner. You know, I do I do the seduction. Yep. I do all this stuff. I make sure the, the bedroom is neat. I, I, you know, wear something sexy or, you know, I take her out to dinner or I spend time. And, and all this work is done and then, you know, the moment doesn't happen and they're frustrated. And the partner only sees the frustration. They don't see, I timed it, I thought about it, I did all this, and you're in trouble. Right. And that work ethic is really the hope of a pursuer. How do I know that? When pursuers start to get burnt out and they start to give up, that's a really bad sign for the relationship. It is a bad sign. Right? So that shows us this work that they're willing to do. They just need something in return for that work. And over time, as the negative cycle takes over in the distance, they get less and less and less positive reinforcement for the work. And it just leads to resentment. And then they're blamed for being resentful. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. But there are lots of different types of pursuers, right? We don't want to put everybody into one category. There are pursuers who can be really angry and critical. And yet there are other pursuers who are really soft and gentle, right? They're, they're, they're subtle with their suggestions. They're not going to come across as too critical, mm-hmm. right? They could be a quiet pursuer, a loud pursuer. They could be an intellectual pursuer. A lot of times you see this with, with male pursuers, right? That they, they pursue with the actions and the words, but emotionally they still kind of hold, back, hold some. back some or not really sure what's pushing it, right? They can come across as controlling, right? I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And their partner's often walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Right? Yeah. We can see pursuers who get overwhelmed, who can feel kind of chaotic and kind of messy. And, you know, you can get pursuers <laughs> who are super structured and disciplined and have all these boundaries. You know, we both do a lot of work with therapists who can be confusing sometimes mm-hmm. because behaviorally, if you look at their actions, they're pursuing, they're reading books, they're giving advice, they're doing all those pushy type of moves. But when it comes to times of, them feeling scared or vulnerable, they actually pull away, mm-hmm. right? Their heart looks towards self-regulation instead of that co-regulation, getting it from their partner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they haven't learned really how to do that. And I, I think some of it, I, I know you're going to talk about this, but some of it, it, as a pursuer, there's this sense of not deserving, of, of nobody really wants to hear this anyway. My partner doesn't want to hear about these places that I feel. I don't want to reveal that I'm afraid you're not attracted to me or I'm afraid that, you know, you don't love me. Or I, really, I'm afraid that I'm not lovable. That's mm. that's the basis. You know, so that place, yeah, we can pursue and we can push with what we know and with the good things. But this other place, you know, I want to hide that away. That's scary. Yeah. Well, it's that rejection that tends to be the underlying fear. All the work is to be connected, to be appreciated, to be seen, all the good stuff we're looking for. So if you think about times in your life when you want a, a date or you want to be picked for the sports team or mm. right, and you're not, mm-hmm. right, that rejection feels bad. Mm-hmm. Right? And it creates a muscle memory that says you don't want to feel that again. Do things to give yourself as much agency and power to make sure you don't get that hurt, that feeling of rejection again. So all the work is to not get rejected. Yeah. And yet so often when their partner disengages, they go back to that place of rejection, that place of, of silence. Mm-hmm. So again, how do we make sense of not being chosen? I know, especially, you know, that that's keen on my mind these days because I see so many clients who are dating on apps. Right. You know, and they put their profile out and nobody likes them or mm-hmm. or they, you know, they swipe on somebody that they like her and she doesn't swipe back or I mean it, there's just so much room for rejection these days in the dating world. That's just another place that it no. reminds me of. Exactly. And so how do we help these pursuers get some protection from the rejection? Mm-hmm. To know that this is the core spot, that raw spot that often is going to hurt them. And all this protection they develop around that, right? The more we can go directly to that rejection and try to find ways to protect them. Okay. So you're going to help us with this. Yeah, I think let's come back and really try to take a deeper dive into kind of how hard this world is and how we can fight for these pursuers. Yay. Let's okay. do it. Fight for me. I really appreciate our partnership with Uberlube. Since I've been doing this show, Lori, they've been a pretty loyal partner. And their mission is the same as ours, to just increase levels of engagement and passion in relationships. And, you know, 
Something's happening, get in the way of that. Use a product, use a tool, use something to make things a bit easier. And UberLube is so, so helpful in helping with that mission. Wouldn't you agree, Lori? I would agree. It makes sex slippery and fun. And I think people should use it, lots and lots of it, maybe before intercourse, during intercourse, after intercourse. You know, you, you can use it on your whole body just to make touching more fun. And we highly recommend it. It's a silicone-based product, and it has vitamin E, which is good for your body. It's a great product that I've been recommending for 20 years. Nice. Slippery. Who doesn't like slippery, Lori? Ooh, slippery. Keep it coming, UberLube. Uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay for 10% off. Did you like that? Keep it coming. I Uberlube. <laughs> That's not bad. I did. I liked it. Hey, because we love you, our listeners, so much, we've decided to do a giveaway on Instagram. So you got to follow us on Instagram at foreplay underscore radio sex therapy. That's where you find us. And then you can get a copy of my autographed book, Wanting Sex Again. We are going to send this out to two followers. And the instructions on how to enter to get to the book are on our Instagram. So please follow us. If you want more content from us, make sure to follow us on Instagram at foreplay underscore radio sex therapy. We post daily. We hope our page can bring you the daily fix you need. Plug on in. Okay, so we're going to talk with pursuers. And George, you're going to help me be protected from the rejection I feel and what I go through as a pursuer, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. (laughs) Oh, I like that, ma'am. Could I get some more of that respect, (laughs) please? Yes, ma'am. I, as a recovering withdrawer myself, right, I'm trying (laughs) to, I always try to feel into the world of pursuer. So I'm working with a client. You know, I I try to allow my heart to be impacted by how hard this can be. You know, both people in a negative cycle are in a tough spot. That's by definition what a negative cycle is. Right. You know, but for a pursuer, I like to to look at it like three waves that they get hit by. Okay. The first wave that really sucks is they're doing all this work to not be alone, Mm -hmm. to be appreciated. And they do all the work and they find themselves alone. Exactly. Right. So that alone <laughs> sucks. They, they want to be connected. They want to be connected. And, and, and they're trying to attune mm-hmm. the best way they know how. And then somehow or another, it goes bad. Yep. It breaks bad. So they're getting rejected, which is the worst outcome for them. Right. So this is already a nightmare scenario. Right. But it doesn't end there. It gets worse. Yes. Because wave two that they're going to get hit with is not only are they rejected, But because they're the one that brought up the topic, because they were a bit frustrated in the conversation, they now get blamed for why they're being rejected Mm -hmm. because they're negative, because they're critical. Critical. It's their fault they're being rejected. That's a whole different ballgame. It's one thing to be rejected. It's another thing to be blamed for why you're being rejected. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like I approach my partner, want to have sex, have thought about it, have designed it. And then I get rejected. And then my partner is saying, well, you know, this anger that you have about this, this is why I don't want to have sex with you. (laughs) It's like, wait a second. I'm only angry because you didn't want to have sex with me. Mm. I'm not, I'm not angry in general. It's like, yeah. And that's why it, 
it feels so gaslighting for pursuers. They they often will use the description, it's crazy making, I want to bang my head against the wall because every part of their being knows how hard they're trying to work to be connected mm-hmm. and to be blamed for why they're not being. It just doesn't fit like they're, it doesn't feel fair at all. And it if doesn't. they protest that, they're being negative. Yeah. And if they say nothing, nothing's going to change. Right. If That's, I say nothing. Oof, so I just want our listeners to feel into that. Let that second wave hit you. Not only the first wave do you get rejected, which sucks, and you're lonely, but now the second wave is you're being blamed for that very rejection. Yeah, for your reaction to the rejection. Exactly. Now you want the third nastiest wave of all? I do. I think I know what's coming now. I'm drowning already. Go ahead. Again, the third wave is going to be they start to believe it is their fault. Mm -hmm. That's where the shame kicks in. Mm -hmm. This is where the tape starts. All that criticism starts to turn inward. I am too much. I am too much. I want too much. I want too much from you. And I'm, you know, I'm insatiable. I'm, I'm, yeah, I I mean, it's like there's something defective in Mm -hmm. me that wants and can't be satisfied with normal stuff like everybody else seems to be satisfied. There's something, you know, I'm broken. There's, it's awful. Yeah. That's about as bad as it gets. To me, that's what hell is. Being alone, cut off from relationship and hating yourself in it, having Mm -hmm. contempt. Mm -hmm. Nobody could thrive in this place. Right. Yeah. This is where pursuers need help the most because the, now the tapes are playing. This is what my mom used to say. I'm too much. This is the messages I get when people reject me all the time. It must be me. It must be me. It must be me. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. I mean, I I feel that. I, I went through something with a friend recently and I questioned it up one side and down the other. Just, you know, okay, so I, you know, I must be really a bad person. I mean, it, it, I just kind of got flooded with these feelings of toxicity. Yeah. You know, I not only is it that I'm not accepted, but I'll never be accepted because I'm just not a good person or, or I'm not a fun person or, you know, whatever conclusion yep. I came to. But it was like I, I was somehow or another utterly rejectable. Right. And in a bigger context, it's just an insecure part. We all have this. There are other parts mm-hmm. of you that know you're confident and oh, you're, yeah. right, you're lovable. I mean, and it's yeah. not, it's not telling I hope I don't get story. a lot of letters. Lori, we like you. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but we all have these places. But those three waves, right? One, you get rejected. Two, mm-hmm. you're blamed for the rejection. Three, you agree you deserve the rejection. Mm-hmm. That's a horror show. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute horror show. You know, and that's actually where pursuers need to be seen the most, and it's when they're the most alone. It's so counterintuitive to want to share these these worst parts of yourself because people are re- already rejecting the best parts of who you are, mm-hmm. right? So pursuers hide these places. So how do you share it? What what would we say? What, what do you mean? Like, well, I, I think it's so liberating to, to be seen. Like when I'm with a pursuer, I'm like. And this is what happens. You get hit with these three waves. They feel seen. They don't feel so crazy. Mm -hmm. It's a way of standing up for them to say, this isn't your fault that this is happening, right? You are working so hard to not be rejected, right? Your partner has good reasons they protect themselves the way they do. Mm -hmm. But when you're working so hard and you get rejected, it's okay to feel sad and Mm -hmm. bad and alone. And then wave two, that this is your fault, Again, that's the negative cycle. The partner doesn't know what to do. But how can that be your fault when you're trying to connect? So we're trying to get these with 
pursue is to start confronting some of the lies that the cycle starts to tell them. Certainly that third one, that this is their fault. What have they done that deserves all this hatred and Mm self-contempt? They've tried to risk. They're trying to do the very thing we're trying to get couples to do in relationships, Mm -hmm. right? To turn towards. And we get that, right? From early, early experiences in childhood, Mm -hmm. where somehow or another, we were too much for our parents, And that was the message that we got, Um, you know, this kind of, you're overwhelming me. And maybe, you know, the parent had a good reason and they were going through something, but the message that the child feels is, you know, inside, I'm not okay. I'm just not okay. Yeah. Right. So we got to figure out how to do that differently. That's the nice thing about a listen to emotions. If the core problem is rejection, then we got to find out ways of protecting from that or giving the very thing. Right, the opposite of rejection is acceptance, to be chosen, to be wanted. Mm-hmm. That it just feels like an impossible bind here. You know, of course we want to be chosen and accepted and desired, and but that was what the reach was in the first place mm-hmm. was for their partner, and now then to turn around and tell them, and I feel you know I really need you to want me and choose me and accept me and desire me. It, it just is so counterintuitive. Yeah, you got to create a lot of safety to start slowing down the process. But we do want these pursuers to send more direct messages, right? Which is, hey, you know, I go to a place where I get scared. That's very different than saying, why didn't you come home? Why are you always late? Mm-hmm. Right? Often the times they learn. Why don't you want to go to bed with me? <laughs> yeah, right? That's sexual pursuer. That's saying, you know, it's been four days. Why haven't you wanted to have sex, right? Exactly. And they tend to be focused on the partner's behavior. I've waited four days. Yeah. Right. But when you understand the partner, you understand how your protection sets you up for rejection, right? How do you protect yourself from rejection? You start to try to speak from more of an I place instead of a you place, mm-hmm. right? That says, hey, I'm really interested in having sex. Right, and I'm nervous to talk about it because I don't want to get rejected. Mm. You have a better chance of your partner hearing that message than, you know, do you not want to have sex again? Sure. Right, but there's power in that anger. There's power in that frustration. It protects you from some of those vulnerable feelings. But George, what if you are a recovered pursuer and you're careful? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think I work with a lot of people who understand that the pushy, angry, critical message is not going to work. But they are still asking or wanting and going through this same set of three waves where yeah. they, they push or they ask, maybe just directly, their partner rejects them. They feel sad about that. And the person says, you know, your sadness, you're, you're trying to make it my fault. There's a big fight about that reaction, which makes them feel worse. And then they kind of go inside And it's like, okay, you know, maybe my needs are not legitimate. Maybe I do need too much. Maybe, maybe I'm undesirable. I mean, all of those things start again, even when they're not doing the pushy critical thing. I think it's critical to start off with wave three, to really get pursuers to take a different stance with themselves. Okay. To really start to say, you know, what they do to protect themselves is they reject themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, they tell these hurt, vulnerable, sad places that you suck and it's your fault. You know, if I imagine saying that to one of my kids, that would be abuse. 
Mm-hmm. And yet this becomes the the climate that pursuers live in, mm-hmm. right? So how do we get them to start standing up differently for themselves that say, you know, why do you deserve this hatred when all you've tried to do is to try to connect? How can you respond to yourself a little bit differently, mm-hmm. right? How do you How do you appreciate the resilience that you have as a pursuer, that you don't give up? that you keep trying, that this pushing energy is the best part of you. Yeah, you could work on how you deliver messages, but there's so much beauty in the pursuer that they, they find a hard time seeing in themselves, right? And I think when they can learn to stand up for that little boy or that little girl and be proud of them, you know, it gives them more, it soothes some of that shame that allows kind of those new moves to emerge. This is so complicated for me as I listen to you, just... There's the part that we're saying we want to reach for our partner to regulate with us. Mm-hmm. But this other thing that you're saying is I also do need to comfort, regulate inside, become okay. And that's different. One is the the co-regulation yep. and one is intrapsychic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the more of both, the better we get. Mm-hmm. The more our partner can learn to comfort us in these places, accept and love us, that's the antidote to so mm-hmm. much of the shame. But we're not totally dependent on our partner. We have our own mm-hmm. work to do intrapsychically. Mm-hmm. Like how does that pursuer see that how they've learned to protect themselves, which is to push and to criticize and to be harsh because they're trying to motivate change, that there might be better ways of motivating change. I'm inviting pursuers to see themselves in a truer light. They are resilient. They're trying to do beautiful things. This is what love wants. And they're putting that into action. And they deserve better than to be rejected and to kind of beat themselves up. And to reject themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? And when they start to take that step differently for themselves, it really starts to shift something within them. Right? It creates a, a platform, a, a foundation of more security that allows these these other new moves in their relationship to emerge. Mm-hmm. So I don't care which direction it goes. The partner's there to respond. Awesome. They're that respond to themselves differently. Whatever the combination of the time and the more we get both, the more safety we're going to have. Okay. And we're going to do kind of a part two of this episode next week, you know, just talking more about the how to do this. How how to turn to the partner and try to get that help. Okay. Bring it on, baby. Okay. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot, y'all. Okay, May 20th is our couples retreat. So great sex, great love. You can find it on our website on foreplayradiosextherapy.com. And we just invite you as a couple to come and join us on May 20th. It's Friday. It's all day. We talk all about sex. We talk about everything. And we do it in a way that's safe and not embarrassing. But if you come, you will have conversations you've never had before. Yes. So May 20th, again, great sex, great love. Please join us. Come on. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media.